Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, will the real Antichrist please stand up? For the last 2,000 years, people have been anxiously trying to analyze who the Antichrist might be and when he might be revealed. You know, uh, we need to profile the modus operandi of the Antichrist. And I think the New Testament, uh, as well as the Old Testament, gives us a good profile. Uh, Instead of trying to figure out who the Antichrist is, we need to profile his activity, and that'll help us identify him. This podcast is brought to you by Paranormal Contractors. If you have unwanted paranormal activity in your home or business, this is no time to be dealing with amateurs. You need to bring in the professionals. Paranormal Contractors is a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners. They utilize the latest scientific technology to investigate, authenticate, and remediate your ghost or demon problem. Call them at this new number, 631-552-5835. That's 631-552-5835. Email paranormalcontractors at gmail.com and tell them Richard sent you. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Friday. It's great to be back home. Had a wonderful time in Greece this summer. Most of it, of course, spent down in Verga, outside Kalamata in southern Greece, and then four days up in Athens. We arrived home yesterday afternoon, and of course, my clock is upside down. So I was up and at it at about 4 a.m. this morning. But I tell you, I get a lot done when the house is so quiet. A Pastor Mark Biltz is standing by to help decode the Antichrist. And of course, because it's Friday, that means a visit from Christian D. Cadure, co-host of Reverse Speech Radio. Wait till you hear this. He has an amazing, well, it's really the first of several reversals that we'll hear over the next few weeks from Roger Patterson, the man who allegedly took the famous Bigfoot film footage near Bluff Creek, California back in 1967. But first... What does the Bible say about the Antichrist, his tactics, and his motivation? Will we know where he has left his fingerprints? What do Muslims, Jews, and Christians believe about the end times? And will the Antichrist work through modern technology, especially artificial intelligence, to take over? Mark Biltz is founder of El Shaddai Ministries in Washington State. He's a well-known and popular commentator on the Feasts of the Lord and has produced a series of DVDs on the feasts that have gone around the world. He's also the author of Blood Moons and God's Daytimer. His latest is Decoding the Antichrist and the End Times. Hey, Mark, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? Hey, doing great, Richard. So thankful that you allowed me to be back on your program. We've reached you in Tennessee at a conference. Just tell me a little bit about what's going on down there. 
Yes, we're having a, a prophecy conference. Uh, the speakers are Perry Stone and Jonathan Kahn and uh, Bill Cloud, Joel Richardson, and myself. Uh, there's about 4,800 people here, and it is exciting. It's going great. Decoding the Antichrist and the end times, what the Bible says and what the future holds. Just take a few moments and tell us what does Revelation uh, and what does the Old Testament tell us about the Antichrist? Okay, sure. Great question. The, the amazing thing about the book of Revelation, since you brought that up, is the fact that most people don't know there's over 600 references to the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. So it's hard to understand Revelation when we uh, don't see all the connections back. I mean, the Apostle John was Jewish, for heaven's sake, and everything he had in his Revelation was drawn from uh, what he read. And uh, the amazing thing that uh, that I see in the connection here is uh, in the Apostle John's writings and in Paul's writing, it talks about how there were many antichrists in his day, and he says they came out from among us. And in Paul's, uh, he says in his epistles that the uh, Satan comes as an angel of light and his ministers as angels of righteous, ministers of righteousness. So what I see what's fascinating and looking at the New Testament and the connections is could the Antichrist, instead of being some heathen or a Muslim or a Jew, be a professing believer? I mean, after all, the devil already has the world deceived. He's trying to deceive the Christians. Right, right. But he will also he will also deceive uh, Muslims. He will convince them. Oh, he's, yeah. He, he's the 12th Imam. He will convince... Uh, the Jews, that he is their Messiah. He will convince Christians he is uh, the second coming of, of Christ. How will he do yeah, that? exactly. How, how will he do that? Well, one thing that I find fascinating is, you know, in, uh, when you, uh, in the book I talk about uh, the Islamic view of end times, the Jewish view of end times, as well as the Christian view of end times. And I don't believe the Antichrist is going to come across as, a, a, you know, a demon with horns and a pitchfork. Uh, the two witnesses, and now I'm not saying exactly who they are, but many people think it's going to be Moses and Elijah. Well, guess what? The Jews believe in two witnesses and Moses and Elijah coming back as well. So one thing that I thought would be fascinating, uh, and they're supposed to balance it out, uh, because Moses and Elijah, or the two witnesses, uh, get killed, and they lay in the streets for three days or so, and then they're resurrected again. Well, I think the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to come as if they are the real Moses and Elijah, and the other ones are the Antichrist and the false prophet. So everyone's going to have to decide when they see these people, they're battling it out, who is the good guys and who's the bad guys. Do we get a physical description of the Antichrist in Revelation? Uh, not necessarily. You do in Islam. In Islam, uh, it's called the Dajjal, uh, and, and they give a physical description uh, but as far as uh, in the book of Revelation, more th rather than a image profile, it's uh, ethics profile. You know, uh, we need to profile the modus operandi of the Antichrist. And I think the New Testament, uh, as well as the Old Testament, gives us a good profile. Uh, instead of trying to figure out who the Antichrist is, we need to profile his activity, and that'll help us identify him. But, but I, we can infer that he's going to be probably handsome and charismatic, right? Oh, I think he'll not only be very handsome and charismatic, I think he'll be very famous. I think he'll be very wealthy. I think he'll have uh, some big political power as well. That's why it'll be so deceptive.
And the time. Yes. And and oh, let me ask you this about uh, there is made mention of the Antichrist receiving a mortal head wound and then resurrecting. Talk to me about that. Right. Now, one thing that uh, I propose in my book, too, which is kind of interesting, is could the Antichrist be some kind of human cyborg? I mean, they're they're talking about transhumanism now and and people, the brain chips that can go in your head and give you wireless access to the Internet. Uh, You can simply think about something and find the answer to it. I would not be surprised if the Antichrist had some kind of uh, computer enhancements uh, to himself as well, and he'll he'll receive a head wound. It implies, and he'll come back to life. I'm I'm not sure, you know exactly how that's going to happen, but I I strongly believe that he very well could be a uh, human cyborg type of antichrist. Hmm. Well, I, I want to circle back to that a little bit later and talk about artificial intelligence and perhaps even the transhumanist movement and how that might play into end times. But uh, what sort of feats will the Antichrist perform uh, oh, in order sure. to convince people that he is, in fact, you know, the Messiah? Well, one thing that's interesting is when you read about uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet, one of the things they'll be doing is bringing fire down from heaven. Well, see, that's what Elijah did. Elijah brought fire down from heaven. Uh, And when you read about the two witnesses, the two witnesses come across as the global terrorists. Because the two witnesses, which are supposed to be the godly ones, they're stopping water. They're bringing plagues, you know, turning water to blood. Uh, And then so when the false prophet and Antichrist come on the scene and destroy him, Many will believe that they are the Moses and Elijah, and they stop these two terrorists. Uh, so there's going to be all kinds of miracles that are going to be taking place by both uh, the Antichrist, the false prophet, as well as the two witnesses. They'll be doing all kinds of miracles. And how will he, do you suppose, first make his uh, entrance onto the world stage? I think his entrance is going to be in killing the uh, the two witnesses. I uh, well, as far as that's what how will really be known. I mean, he could be alive and well now, you know. But uh, I, I think one of the things that's going to happen that what we see in Revelation first is these two witnesses who are causing all this devastation, and then we read how. Um, the one that ascends from the bottomless pit kills them. And then comes the last half of the tribulation where all hell breaks loose. Of course, the first half, even though it's supposed to be a time of peace and safety, uh, if that's when the two witnesses are witnessing, they're going to be bringing some devastation to the world. But do you have any sense of whether he will come from the realm of uh, business or government, or will he be a, a religious figure? I think he'll be that the Antichrist will probably be from business, government, uh, but the false prophet would be more from uh, religion uh, that he'll end up overthrowing. So the the false prophet is he sort of the equivalent or the antithesis of um, uh, of uh, John, uh, John the forerunner. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, a very good uh, play, Richard. I think that very well could be. He's the one that wants to introduce the Antichrist. He's the one who 
makes this image, you know, also of the beast and wants everyone to worship him. Uh, so I think the the prophet will definitely be a religious person, you know, is going to be the Antichrist sidekick, so to speak. You know, for many, many years, and I, I go back about 20, uh, almost 30 years in, in talk radio, I started out as a producer, booking guests on various uh, talk radio programs. And I remember way back in the early 90s, there was a gentleman by the name of Benjamin Krem. And uh, he was, uh, he wanted to get on any radio station that would have him to talk about this figure called the Maitreya. And uh, he supposedly was um, uh, of Middle Eastern descent, born in, I believe, East London. And uh, I am told had sort of a, some sort of an, a position at the United Nations. And uh, I talked to a lot of evangelicals who believed that the Maitreya may be the Antichrist and that Benjamin Krem was sort of the the false prophet. Did you ever hear about Krem and, and the Maitreya and what are your thoughts? Yes, uh, I, I never studied it a whole lot. I, I am familiar with what you're talking about, but not in great detail. Uh, and, and for me, in, in my book, I don't really try to identify the Antichrist, who it is, as well as look at the Antichrist system. The Antichrist system, that's interesting. Um, so there have been more than one, right? Who were? Who oh my were, goodness! Yes. Who were some of the earlier antichrists? Well, it depends on how far back you want to go. I mean, a lot of people thought it was Mussolini. Some thought it was Hitler. Some thought it was Obama. Some thought it was Trump. I mean, Henry Kissinger. I mean, all those. But if you want to go way back, two thousand years ago, the Apostle John in his writing says there were many antichrists back then, and he said they went out from among us. And so that's why I believe that uh, the Antichrist can end up being a professing Christian, because, uh, you know, even Paul, they're transformed into ministers of righteousness. Satan comes as an angel of light. Uh, and so there have been uh, Antichrists for the last several thousand years. But I think what we have to be aware of is what I uh, call legalized lawlessness. And, and that's what, what uh, the Antichrist system is. Does, when the Antichrist... Um, enters the world stage, onto the world stage, will he be aware that he is the Antichrist? Will he be conscious of that? You know, that's an excellent question, Richard. I almost wonder if he won't realize it until after he sees the mortal wound and is resurrected, and that's when he becomes the Antichrist. Ah, upon his resurrection. Fascinating. So, set the table here in terms of the the tribulation walk us through that and to the well to its conclusion with the apocalypse well sure i you know i believe from the book of daniel there's a seven year tribulation uh that has yet to come a final week uh, i believe the first half uh there there will be a false peace but at the same time that's when you're going to have the two witnesses that are uh you know killing people that come against them but then, after the three and a half years, that's when the, you know, Antichrist comes up out of the abyss, you know, and possesses the, uh, I believe, uh, and the false prophet comes, and they kill the two witnesses, and that's when all hell breaks loose for the last three and a half years. But tell me about that. Until the oh, Battle of Armageddon. Right. Tell me about this false peace. Sure. Uh, I mean, what's, what's fascinating is here we're about to have revealed in the next month for heaven's sake, a, a new peace agreement in the Middle East. 
and everyone's, uh, you know, talking about, okay, what's in this Middle East peace agreement? Will it be a two-state solution? Uh, what will happen? Is, is this the final seven-year peace agreement that's about to be signed? Well, uh, for me, I want to see the contents, and evidently they're supposed to release it in June. They're waiting for two things. They're waiting for Ramadan to end, and they're waiting for pres- uh, uh, Netanyahu to form his government. Uh, and once those two things are done, that's when they're going to release the peace agreement. Uh, and so I think we'll know a little bit more about that. But I think the, the false peace is going to be creating uh, either a two-state solution or giving away of the promised land. And in the end times, talk to me about what is prophesied about uh, who will align themselves against Israel. Uh, interesting point. I think a lot of the nations are going to align themselves against Israel. And as a matter of fact, when you talk about the Gog-Magog war, they point out that in Hebrew, every letter is also a numerical value. And the very Hebrew word Gog and Magog has a numerical value of 70. And there are 70 nations uh, that uh, God had formed in Genesis 10. And so, uh, you know, and Joel, I think it talks about all nations coming against Israel. So uh, there's a chance that every nation could come against Israel at the last time. And what are you seeing presently uh, in the headlines to indicate that that this is moving forward, you mentioned the the proposed peace talks uh, the, and the agreement that's going to be unveiled in June, or at least the negotiating points. And I, I believe it's uh, the president's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, who's really kind of taking the lead on that. But what other uh, things in the headlines, stories in the headline, do you look at to suggest that that countries are aligning against Israel? For example, including let's say Russia, China. Yeah, it is huge. Uh, what's going on in Syria, that's the key right now, is what's happening there. Uh, and Lebanon with Hezbollah. Uh, there's some very interesting things. I know a major in the IDF who's in charge of the northern border, and he and I were having a discussion. And one of the things that uh, that he talked about is back in 2006 in the Lebanon war, they only had about 10,000 missiles, Hezbollah did. Now they have 250,000 missiles. Uh, and back then, most of their missiles were stupid, dumb missiles. Now they have about 100,000 smart missiles. And so Israel has two concerns. One of them is they can't be the nice humanitarian response like they did in the past, where they could warn everybody. They could call the Arabs and say, hey, bombs are coming, please move, or you know, hey, there's missiles in this building, we're going to attack it, please move. They're not going to have that ability now. And they, they really believe this time they're, they're going to have to destroy Lebanon, Syria, Iran, no holes barred, just because uh, they don't uh, have the ability to, with enough of the Iron Dome missiles to shoot down the other ones. But the, the other biggest fear he mentioned, uh, I don't know how much you know about the Islamic view of end times, but uh, many believe that they bring their Messiah or Mahdi by launching a war against Israel. Well, Hasran Nasrallah, the head of Lebanon, is basically on his deathbed. He's got cancer. He had a heart attack. You have Ayatollah Khomeini in Iran, who's like 80 years old, on his deathbed. Uh, they both want to go down in history as the one who brought on the Mahdi. So they want to purposely cause a war, you know, as their dying declaration. And so this is Israel's concern. 
Now, I mentioned Jared Kushner, who is uh, sort of the point man uh, for, for the United for the Trump administration on negotiating. Uh, I mean, one could easily argue that the Trump administration has been the greatest friend to Israel that that uh, they've had in in the United States. Uh, so surely, uh, Jared Kushner wouldn't be negotiating a false peace, or would he? Well, see, that's the thing. Uh, when you look at the Jews in the different administrations, some of the Jews are very secular. They're, they're not religious at all. Now, Jared is religious, but they're all politicians, you know, and I don't know how much they really know the Bible, uh, but uh, if, if they want to divide the land of Israel, if they create a two-state solution, then it's no holes barred. Look out. Judgment is coming. Uh, but it, so far, it seems to be, like you said, though, they don't want a two-state solution. They say it's dead. So there's still yet maybe hope. But I hope they don't put a capital in East Jerusalem. They're talking about making all of the Palestinians give them Jordanian citizenship or Egyptian citizenship. Uh, and so they'll just be uh, legal resi- foreign residents of Israel. They, they won't be able to vote in the Israeli elections. They just become citizens of another country, but they get to live in Israel. And, and, and do, you, do you think that sort of arrangement would be conducive to a real peace, or would that lead to a false peace? Oh, I think it'll lead to a false peace. I, I really do. Uh, so what we'll have to see, I, personally, I think what we're going to see, and, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying there's probably an 80% chance in the next year and a half, you're going to see a major war in the Middle East between Iran, Lebanon, Syria, and Israel. The, the uh, desecration uh, of the... Um you know, the Holy of Holies, the yeah. Antichrist okay. will will walk into the third temple and proclaim himself to be the Messiah. Uh, talk to me about, you know, what what that signifies and what, what will happen as a result. Sure. One thing, I mean, whenever you talk about Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 24, everyone knows that's end time talk. Well, what most people don't know, because most Christians don't know the Jewish roots, Matthew 24 is Hanukkah happening all over again. And it was at Hanukkah around 168 BC that they put an abomination of desolation into the temple. They put a statue of Zeus. And 168 years later, Josephus even said that was the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy. But what we have to realize is that which has happened in Ecclesiastes 1.9, it says that which has happened is that which will happen again. There's nothing new under the sun. And so in Matthew 24, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, if you know Hanukkah, you're reading everything he's talking about happened at Hanukkah 168 years earlier. So the disciples are all going, oh my goodness, Hanukkah is going to happen again. Abomination of desolation we put back in the temple again. And of course that happened in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. Uh, But see, history repeats itself. And so I see uh, there's a good chance that if not a temple, a synagogue will be built on the Temple Mount here probably within the next couple of years as part of the peace agreement. And talking to another Jewish rabbi, I don't want to mention any names, in Israel, they had mentioned that one of parts of this peace agreement, they may take the Temple Mount uh, control away from Jordan and give it to Saudi Arabia. <clears throat> now, that would be interesting. 
and they, Saudi Arabia may allow them to put a synagogue there. And of course, you don't need a temple to do like the Passover sacrifices. So uh, we'll just kind of watch and see how it all unfolds. Back to more of my conversation with Pastor Mark Biltz when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. Hey, it's Friday. Let's get Christian D. Kadur in here, co-host of Reverse Speech Radio. Christian, how are you? I'm doing well, Richard. How are you? Terrific, thank you. I know you're a huge Bigfoot fan, and of course the Zapruder film of cryptozoology is the uh, the Roger Patterson film taken in 1967 of a supposed yes. uh, Bigfoot. And you've got an interesting mm-hmm. reversal here from Roger. Set it up for us. What your listeners are about to hear has never been done before. This is, as everyone knows, uh, the Roger Patterson film uh, is, is the Patterson-Gimlin film, excuse me, on Patty is definitely the holy grail of the best visual recording uh, video ever of any, uh, and it, that cannot be debunked in any way, shape or form of Sasquatch. The reversals that you're about to hear is from a, a relatively early recording shortly after Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin filmed the creature at Bluff Creek. This particular uh, reversal is very interesting because it's uh, in his forward speech, he's talking about seeing the creature from a distance and then the reversal says something about his unconscious is speaking uh, regarding the hype surrounding and the publicity and everything surrounding the the evidence that was captured and recorded of uh, of patty which is the name which was given to the creature by both roger and uh, and bob so this is uh, a fantastic reversal all right let's have a listen here's roger patterson being interviewed shortly after capturing a uh, bigfoot on film in 1967. It turned uh, a couple of times and looked at it. Filled with me out. So there we have Roger Patterson saying in his forward speech, it turned a couple of times and looked at us. And then in the reversal, what is Roger saying? What is he saying in reverse, Christian? What Roger Patterson is saying right uh, in the reversal is, kill them now, go, nurse it. So what we have here was the Roger Patterson's unconscious mind speaking on whether or not they should him and Bob should kill the creature or continue documenting it, go and nurse the fame that will be uh, that will be enjoyed by both Roger and Patterson, the notoriety from this amazing footage which was discovered by by both of them and filmed in fact by Roger Patterson. So this is an example of what we call a congruency. In other words, the reversal demonstrates that in forward speech, Roger is being truthful. Yes, exactly. This is exactly what it it demonstrates, that he is being truthful on the captured footage. And this 
just goes to validate his claim. And for the haters who try to debunk the film, it's uh, it's very difficult in order to do that because even his unconscious mind states um, the congruency of his actions of what have taken place. We have reversals of Roger Patterson for the next several weeks, so we'll look forward to those. In the meantime, how do people listen to Reverse Speech Radio? Well, you can listen to Reverse Speech Radio by going to reversespeech.ca and clicking on our link to Reverse Speech Radio. Or on the Libsyn platform, Reverse Speech Radio, uh, Libsyn, excuse me, reversespeechradio.libsyn.com. New episodes drop every Thursday. Reversespeechradio.libson.com. Talk to you next week, Christian. I look forward to it, Richard. Thank you. Theoretical physicists say that there's as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, Here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Or something like that. I'll ask Richard later. Pastor Mark Biltz, the author of Decoding the Antichrist, is here. The Antichrist and artificial intelligence. That's obviously a, a, a primary focus in the book. And we, we touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, you, you had mentioned that the Antichrist might, in fact, be part human, part machine, a cyborg. And I'm wondering when I hear that, it reminds me very much of uh, the transhumanist movement and people like Ray Kurzweil, who, who in their quest for virtual immortality, want to merge man and machine. If you do that, if you... If you sort of join a league with the transhumanist movement, would that, in your estimation, be like taking the mark of the beast? Is that what that is? I think it's definitely a step toward it, most certainly. Uh, Elon Musk, uh, he, the way he looks at it, he, he's afraid of the AI robots taking over the world against humans. So he's just saying humans have to... Uh, incorporate and merge with AI computers in order to combat the AI robot. And so for him, it's like uh, he's even warning that an AI dictator could control mankind. Exactly what I'm talking about in my book he's come up with. Uh, and, And so they have brain chips right now. They want to put in people's brains where they can hook up wirelessly to the Internet. They can just think a thought. And they could find the answer from the brain chip in their head. It's crazy. And you mentioned also um, things like Alexa and Siri. Alexa, of oh course, is in, the, yeah. in the home where you can say, Alexa, you know, turn on the lights. It can control your, your home. It can, it can search the Internet for you. Uh, is, is Alexa and Siri, which, you know, I have on my, my Apple phone. I don't use it a lot, but I have used Siri to look up, let's say, the latest baseball score or something. Is, is that satanic in your estimation? No, I don't, I don't think anything is satanic, but I think it could be used. Uh, just like a knife can be used to kill someone or to save their life taking out their appendix. Uh, the Internet can be a huge blessing or it can be a huge curse. 
you know, so it depends on the motivation and the intent. But right now, I'm sure, Richard, you've heard of these cars that run by computers. Uh, you don't need a driver. And the whole purpose would be like a Uber where you can get in the back of this taxi that's run by a computer and it drives the route that you say. Well, here's the problem. They've decided that this uh, robotic machine that's driving your car for you needs to have morals. And the reason these have morals is because if a deer is running across the road, the computer has to decide who to kill. Does it kill the deer? Does it swerve over to the sidewalk and kill pedestrians? Or does it take the passenger over the cliff and kills them? And so, wow, when you realize that they're creating a moral computer with those kinds of decisions, and then you see in America where they decide that a, a wall on the southern border is immoral, but infanticide is okay, who wants that morality deciding if you die, you know, rather than running over a deer? Right, right. The other interesting thing is we have um, all of these uh, new forms of, of uh, a payment, like PayPal, and yeah. uh, we have certain individuals now uh, being banned basically from being able to, to earn revenue through PayPal because people don't like their, their, their points of view. Even we have banks turning people away saying, we don't want to do business with you. And in, in some cases, these, these people are, are Christians. They're simply upholding a conservative viewpoint. Uh, is... What, what do you make of that? I mean, is does that is that prophesied at all in the Bible? I don't know about being well. In one sense, part way, but that's what I just talked about at the Perry Stone Conference. I just got into talking about that. How Christians, conservatives, are going to be blacklisted with the banks, blacklisted with PayPal. We're a nonprofit organization, and we receive payments from PayPal, and PayPal has no competition. If they wanted, they could just cut out all of our revenue, you know, from that source. Uh, and, and then going back to Alexa and Siri, not only do they create a moral AI for your uh, car, they're creating a moral AI in the Siri and Alexa in your home. So that there's a news article where if all of a sudden you say, you know, to your son, Johnny, you better go to bed or I'm going to spank you. Siri or Alexa will call 911 and report to you. And the next thing you know, the police will be at your door. Oh, my God. That's chilling. Absolutely chilling. I know. So this is part of the Antichrist system, then, that you talk about. And that's my point, yes. And it's all about legalized lawlessness. They believe if they just make something illegal, legal, that justifies it. Let's uh, legalize prostitution. Let's legalize drugs. Let's legalize, you know, uh, infanticide. And so now it's okay. And and the parallel in... in um the Old Testament to what's happening now. I mean, I've often I've, I've talked to Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, who you mentioned was at the uh, it was at the conference you're speaking with. We talked about the parallels between uh, or the paradigm he calls it between uh, Jezebel in the uh, the Northern uh, Kingdom of Israel and Hillary sure. Clinton, for example. So when you see what's going on today, uh, what is the parallel in ancient biblical times? Well, I can't help but think of uh, the book of Esther and Haman. Uh, they were a very lawful society, but they decided themselves, hey, let's make a law that men can drink all they want. Uh, let's make a law that we can confiscate Vashti's estate. 
uh, let's make a law for genocide. We just need to make it legal to kill all the Jews, and then it's okay. So it's a repetition of that legalized lawlessness uh, that happens over and over. I mean, look at some of the nations, like in Saudi Arabia, I just read today, they beheaded a 16-year-old for complaining about something on WhatsApp. Uh, so, I mean, it's just barbaric. But they, they make it legal, then it's okay. What is the timing? Uh, how close are we getting to the beginning of the tribulation, this seven-year period? I wouldn't be surprised if it took place with, if it began in the next couple of years. Is there kind of a biblical clock that you look to? Oh my goodness, yes, definitely. And I'm glad you brought that up, Richard, because a lot of people, you know, they look at what it says in Matthew 24, how this generation will not pass away until all is fulfilled. And they wonder, well, how long is a generation? That's the big test. Well, I tell you what, the Bible has, you know, different views of how long a generation is. But uh, some people say Noah in his day was 120 years. Uh, and then with Abraham, it was 100 years that they would be in uh, 400 years, I mean, so 100 year would be a generation. And then Psalm says 70 years is a generation, and some people say a jubilee year is a generation. Well, guess what? Every one of those four generations were all fulfilled this last year. It was 120 years ago was the first Zionist Congress. 100 years ago was the Balfour Declaration, saying there needed to be a Jewish state. 70 years ago, Israel became a nation. 50 years ago, Jerusalem was recaptured. So in one sense, like four cherries on a slot machine, everything is coming to pass. They're all these generations are being fulfilled uh, just this last year. And then the ultimate one is Psalm 102. This is where uh, the Bible says when the Lord builds up Zion, that's when he will appear in his glory. Well, the building up of Zion is what's happening right now. All the settlements, that's what all the Arabs are upset about is all the settlements. And so uh, the next verse in that psalm says, this is being written for the generation to come. Well, in Hebrew, that word is akaron, which means the last generation, the terminal generation. And so we see ever since uh, Israel captured Jerusalem in 67, that Zion is being built up. And so that generation is the terminal generation. So I believe we're right there. Uh, President Trump recently uh, suggested, you know, that the United States should recognize uh, the Golan Heights as Israel's uh, territory. This was territory that they conquered in in, uh, in 1967. It has great strategic importance because uh, it was kind of a launching pad for the Syrians during the uh, the Six Day War. Uh, and of course, it's a mountainous area that overlooks a number of Jewish settlements. So it is of great strategic importance. Uh, if the United States were to recognize the Golan Heights as as part of uh, Israeli territory, um, is it, is that is that prophesied also in the Bible? Well, uh, the Bible does prophesy that Israel is going to get all their land back. So, in one sense, uh, yes. Uh, one of the interesting things I think it's in Zechariah one and two, where it talks about the Gaza Strip. Uh, how Israel will forsake the Gaza Strip, the Arabs will take it over, but then God's going to bring some time a, a kind of a tsunami or earthquake or something, and they'll all be removed, and then Judah or Israel will get that territory back. Uh, and as far as timing goes, get, and tied to the book of Revelation, get a load of this picture, the, the, whole, the four horsemen of Revelation 6 is uh, also talked about in Zechariah 6. 
And in Zechariah 1, it talks about the red horse of war. And guess when the vision of the red horse of war took place in Zechariah 1? It was at the end of the 70 years of the Babylonian captivity, at the end of the second year of Darius. Well, here we are. Look at this pattern. We just ended the 70th year of Israel being a nation, and we just ended the second year of Trump's administration, who is considered a type of Cyrus who wants to, you know, rebuild the temple and and all of this. So, again, as far as the timing and the patterns, there's a good chance we could see the red horse of war take place this year or next. You mentioned one of the four horsemen, and this was the uh, the red horseman of war. Talk to me about the other three horsemen that appear on the scene during the end times. Sure. Uh, well, in Revelation 6, it's a different order than it is in uh, Zechariah 6. In Revelation, the first one you have is the, the white horse, uh, or there's a, like a king on it with a, a bow, and he's coming forth to conquer. You know, so that is the first one. Uh, and then you also have uh, the black horse, which is like famine and death, you know, so that's also coming. And, and I see there's a good chance things like that. I mean, when you look at uh, some of these plagues that are already taking place, my goodness, uh, you have uh, Ebola is on the rise, measles is on the rise, uh, all of these things. Uh, and then, of course, you have, uh, I'm, I'm here right now, in Revelation 6. <clears throat> so yeah, the first one was white, the second one uh, is the red horse of war, uh, and then it has the third one uh, is the black horse. And then uh, finally there is a, a, another one, uh, and uh, when he opens that, it's like a pale horse with death and hell following him. Uh, and so a fourth part of the earth is killed, the sword and famine and death, and all the wild beasts of the earth. So. Uh, I think that always follows war. You're going to find uh, when there's no food, uh, people are going to have famine, then there's going to be death, and the wild beasts going to look for people to eat. But uh, I, I believe the red horse is going to come first, as according to Zechariah, which is the red horse of war. And are those precursors uh, to the the final battle of Armageddon? I think they they could be the beginning of the seven year tribulation. I think that, I think they'll take place over the seven years. All four horses. Uh, I don't know if there's like a year or two in between each one or what, but uh, I see them uh, transpiring from the beginning all the way through. And, and those are just metaphors, or are they? I, will there literally be? Will people literally see? Uh, you know, a pale horseman. Well, it could be both. You know, what's fascinating, Richard, is that, you know, in Christianity, many people think there's only one correct answer. In Judaism, there's 70 answers. There's seven different layers, kind of like if you're on the ocean. Some are seeing the ocean from the boat, some from, you know, swimming, some from snorkeling, and some from deep sea diving. Well, the Bible is the same way. There can be many levels of interpretation. I think some of it is allegorical, uh, but then also some of it could be, you know, physical. Uh, and so for me, it's rather than being set, and it has to be this way or that way. I just keep my eyes open for all possibilities. Some there is a school of thought that the the end times, the you know the battle of the final battle of good and evil, will be very localized. It will be localized to the Holy Land, the Middle East. Others think it will be worldwide. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's both. I think the focus will definitely be uh, the Middle East, 
But I think the consequences will be worldwide. But the Bible says in Zechariah 14 that many nations are going to survive all this. There will be humans who survive the tribulation. And in Zechariah 14, it says, then all the nations that have survivors, they have to come up every year to keep the Feast of Tabernacles around September, October. Otherwise, they'll get the plague and no rain. So uh, I believe overall the focus will be the Middle East, and yet there'll be consequences worldwide. And when the, the at the height of the tribulation, uh, you know, when we go through what's what are called Jacob's troubles, yeah, uh, paint me a picture, horrific as it might be. Well, Jacob uh, is another name for Israel. Jacob became Israel. Now, some uh, Orthodox Jews I talked to said Jacob's troubles already happened as far as they concerned, and that was Hitler and the Holocaust. And so now it's the Gentiles' turn. Uh, but I, I believe that uh, while that may very well be true, uh, Jerusalem still is going to be trampled under feet uh, by the Gentiles, and there's still another major problem coming to Israel as God cleanses that nation. So, uh, you know, I see that happening. But in terms of uh, you know the, the and, and the final battle of of good and evil between good and evil. Uh, what kind of what kind of forces uh, you know are going to be battling? Not just flesh and bone, obviously. Oh my goodness, yeah. Because what's on earth is patterned after what's in the heavenlies. I believe there's a big battle that's going to be going on in the heavenlies. And then we're going to see the physical manifestation uh, here on earth, and it's going to be a matter of. Uh, an earthly kingdom versus God's heavenly kingdom, uh, and he's coming on earth to rule and reign for a thousand years. Uh, and so all the nations will uh, be put into subjection to him very shortly. What do you say to uh, skeptics who don't believe in an antichrist, uh, they, they don't believe in an end times? What would you say to them uh, in an attempt to convince them? Well, basically, I start off saying then they're fulfilling prophecy because there was a prophecy that that would happen. <laughs> you know, so I say, hey, great, you're a living part of prophecy. Let me show you that, uh, that people think that. But what I like to do is usually people that think that are people who don't even believe in God. Uh, now, there are some who believe in God that say, oh, he's not coming back for another million years. Well, for one thing, it doesn't matter if you die tomorrow, uh, you know, uh, whether he comes in a year or 10 years, that's not going to matter for you as an individual. But uh, there's, a, there's a lot of ways that I have to convince people in the reality of God uh, and the fact that he's coming back very soon. Now, a very controversial, I won't say controversial, but it's different um, sects within the Christian world uh, differ on this point, and that has to do with something called the tribulation. The idea that that God, uh, that um, uh, Bible-believing Christians will be spared uh, the tribulation, or the you know the, the uh, well the tribulation and Jacob's troubles, because they will be um, they will be sort of swept, raptured. yes, raptured and swept up into heaven. Where do you stand on the uh, on this idea of the rapture? Well, as far as Bible-believing Christians won't experience tribulation, go tell that to the ones in China uh, who are experiencing massive persecution and tribulation, you know. So uh, as far as the—I believe in the resurrection of the dead. I believe that it will happen on the Feast of Trumpets some year. Uh, 
But when people say rapture, that implies timing. We will be taken out at the beginning of the tribulation, the middle of the tribulation, or the end of the tribulation. Uh, and, and I think part of the problem within Christianity uh, is they they don't care about God's kingdom. They don't care about people's lives. They just want to get the heck out of here. You know, for for me, I just I don't I don't care if it's a pre, mid, or post. I know I just don't want to die before I finish the mission that God has for me. And if God has my mission to be here during the tribulation, well, hey, I believe this is the Super Bowl of human history. Everyone's looking at to this time. For me, it's don't take me out of the game, coach. Put me in. <laughs> you know, we're all going to die anyway. If I'm going to die, I want to go down swinging, not hiding behind a rock. Well, what's what's the tribulation going to be like for Christians, let's say, living in North America? Well, I, I think a lot of the people are going to be deceived. They're going to get swept up. And the Bible says God's going to bring this strong delusion because they do not love the truth and they want to believe this lie. So I think it, it, it uh, very well could be bad. You know, I don't know how bad it is in Canada, but they're really trying to push socialism here in the United States. Uh, and if that happens, we are really going to be in trouble. And, and I think the Christians need to realize we're like the frogs in the boiling pot of water right now in the United States. Uh, and I think I, I talked to a good friend of mine who's a Muslim that got saved recently because the Lord appeared to him on his deathbed and he got radically saved. And I asked him if he felt like the church in the United States was asleep. And he said, no, it's worse than that. They're in a coma. And, uh, I thought that was rather humorous, but I, I believe it's true. So many of the churches here in the United States are all seeker-friendly. Uh, they just want to dumb everything down, make everybody feel good, and the pastors become more life coaches uh, than they do, uh, you know, prophets and, and trying to help people draw close to God. Well, we hear these horrific depictions uh, of, you know, Christians being beheaded en masse. Could that happen yeah. here even in North America? Oh, well, I think it could, but it has, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's going to happen in the next year or two. But I wouldn't put uh, anything past the, you know, within this next 10 years. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that did happen. And the, the mark of the beast, let's get back to that for a second. Do you have any, any, any sense on what that mark will be? Will it be, uh, some people think it's a barcode on, on, the, uh, on the palm of your hand or on your forehead in order to buy or sell. I mean, that's, that's kind of a literal uh, translation, perhaps. What do you think the mark will be? Well, what's interesting is this, and, and I go into this uh, book of mine. I really think King Solomon is a type of Antichrist, not Christ. When it, it talks in Revelation about uh, it's the number of a man and the number is 666, and it says, here's wisdom. Well, Solomon is the only one associated with wisdom, and guess how much gold came into Solomon every year? 666, 666 talents of gold. But what's interesting, in Greek, every number is also a letter. And when people read the book of Revelation and they see the number 666, it's not Roman numerals. It's spelled out. It's a words. And in the Greek, the words are T, C, stigma. So it's, it's not speaking of a Roman numeral 666 or a barcode. The word in Greek means to receive a cut or an incision as proof of ownership. And, and so I, I believe it could be receiving some kind of a chip in, in the, you know, in the, for, in the brain or in the hand uh, where they're not going to allow you to buy or sell. You know, it's, uh, that, that's what I believe is going to be happening. 
and uh, those who refuse to take the mark will will be forced, I guess, to basically fend for themselves, right? Yeah, they won't be able to buy or sell. What are they going to do for food? They better be able to have their own water well and uh, have a bunch of food stored up or something. But it's uh, the Chinese social credit score is incredible because what they're doing, they're not a lot, they have uh, over a million, tens of millions of artificial intelligent cameras that are watching every single person do everything. And if, if, if you don't have a bad social media score, you're not allowed to even have a pet. They've already prevented millions of Chinese people from getting on a plane, getting on a train. Uh, and, and I believe with the socialism, uh, if, a certain, you know, people in the government get in control. They're going to, matter of fact, there's a Democrat running for president out of New York named Andrew Yang. And he says on his website, he wants to implement the Chinese social credit score here in America. And if we end up going that route, they're going to determine, uh, you know, who can travel and who can't. And so the Christians are will really be in the bind. How should Christians prepare? Well, I think the biggest thing, Richard, really is to draw close to the Lord. We have to realize we can't, I mean, we need to do whatever we can do practically to prepare. But the most important thing we need to do is to have knowledge, to wake up, to realize where we're at, and to be spiritually prepared more than anything, and draw close to the Lord and make sure your kids are drawn close. Because the millennials, that generation of the millennials, they're so far from God and have left church. If we're going to win them back, uh, we need to um, have the right tools to know how to reach them. And uh, if Christians survive the seven years of tribulation and the, uh, the, uh, the Battle of Armageddon, uh, what then? Well, then the Lord's going to be here, and he's going to rule and reign, and I can hardly wait for that to happen. Uh, righteousness will prevail. It says that the knowledge of God will be as the waters cover the sea. Uh, and so then once the Lord is here physically on the planet and he's in control, then I think it's going to be a whole lot better for everybody. Once again, how do we get a copy of Decoding the Antichrist and the End Times? Yes, thank you. You can uh, Google my name, Mark Biltz, uh, on Amazon and get it from Amazon. You can get it from Christian Book Distributor, CBD.com. You can also go directly to our website, lcdiministries.us, and get the book. Pastor Biltz, thank you so much uh, for this, as always. Be well. All right. Thank you so much, Richard. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a flash to tell you about the next installment of Conspiracy Unlimited. My Strange Planet shop is bursting at the seams with amazing new merchandise and more new and exclusive designs are coming in all the time. I'm getting rave reviews for the women's leg warmers with the Mayan calendar. There are also classic and comfort men's and women's t-shirts, great coffee mugs, even tote bags and stickers. If you want to help support my work and show your friends, family and co-workers that you're a fan of The Conspiracy Show and Conspiracy Unlimited and The Strange Planet YouTube channel, visit my Strange Planet shop. You can get all your Christmas shopping done all in one place. New and exclusive merch arriving every week, all designed by Atomic Werewolf Studios in Arizona. To start shopping online right now, go to strangeplanet.ca and click on the Strange Planet shop button at the bottom of the page. It's a strange planet. Get the gear. Take the journey. 
Coming up next time, legendary paranormal investigator and researcher Joshua P. Warren on parasymatics and sigils. Vibration and, and tone is something that we, you know, we can't really see it, but we can feel it and we can see that it manipulates matter. And we're learning that so, so well now that we're even weaponizing it. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.